Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hello, hello, hello. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV with you on this Tuesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort. Oh, the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and you, wherever you are, however you got us locked in, thanks for joining us, whether it is live, 3.06 Central Time on the 25th of uh, October, or maybe you're listening at your convenience on demand at supertalk.fm or via podcast later in the day. Maybe you got us locked in on a Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Thanks for being with us. Plenty, plenty, plenty to get to this afternoon. Hey, Dad, I'm still debating on whether or not I'm going to tell a uh, a referee story. Oh, I mm. I would ask that you would. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you would. I I just have to uh, I have to weigh the. Um, I don't know if it's the best thing to do. <laughs> the old the old flag football. You, you, you never really because because it could very easily sound like sour grapes based on the scoreboard, right? And I don't want it to sound like sour grapes, so I don't know. We'll let that one marinate for a little while. Maybe we'll come back to an official story somewhere along the way. I, I do have a question though. Traditionally, in in football, how many downs do you get like in in a sequence? Not a trick question. Four, Four. one, two, three. Four. Do you remember anything peculiar about a Missouri-Nebraska game from years gone by? I do. They got five. Oh, they got five, which is not what the rules allow for, right? I mean, if you stop a team on fourth right. down, right. then it's your ball. Yeah. So what happens usually when they get a fifth down? Uh, they score. That The other team scores. Yeah, Inevitably, they're yeah, scoring. Yeah. Just, just, just wondering. I just wanted to make sure I was up to date on the rules of football and how that works. Mm. But not sour grapes. Not bitter. No, it's fine. Not yeah. at all. I'm channeling my inner Brian Haydad. Kind of a strange weather day. I don't know where you guys, where you are in terms of this weather front that is moving through Mississippi. It was weird. So this morning it was 70, but it felt like 80. Thick, humid, just heavy air. 
knew that rain was on the way. And a lot of the prediction had been for, you know, for a short amount of time, kind of a strong band of thunderstorms. That ended up not happening. Front blew through. Just a little bit of rain. Kind of a whimper. I was like, oh, that's disappointing. Expecting, you know, some thunder and some lightning and a big wind and whatever. Not really disappointing, but, you know, you you expect something, it doesn't happen. Then the sun pops out. I'm talking about that, like, crystal blue sky. And it's weird. It's almost like still outside, and the temperature hasn't really started dropping yet. I was outside a little while ago. It was like gale force winds just out of nowhere. So if you're farther east in Mississippi, maybe you've got that to uh, look forward to. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. That's the number if you want to be a part of the conversation with us. Hope you'll join us. Want to give your business the edge? Uh, it's simple. Fiber Internet from Ceasefire Business. Ceasefirebusiness.com for more information. Mike in Oxford says it was Colorado, Missouri, not Nebraska, Missouri. What did you say? I said Nebraska. It was Colorado, Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's correct, yeah. Mike says that Colorado won a share of the national championship based on they that down. Remember they when we they used to let that year. sports writers determine who won national championships? Remember that? I do. Those were good times. And for decades, we were like, yeah, this is fine. No problem. Georgia Tech had a share of a national championship. That was with Colorado, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 1990. Shared national championship. Yeah, I'm glad we determined it on the field. I wish we'd just determined it on the field with more teams than uh, currently get to participate. Which is coming. That day is coming. We're getting there. We're getting there. It is coming. So, where do you want to start? You guys want to start with lines? Do we want to dive in and kind of look at that first and then branch out from there? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it because I think we need to dedicate a lot of time to Jimbo and Texas A&M and all that kind of on its own. I mean, what a disaster that has been created there <laughs> for so many reasons. Yeah. Um. New issues today. Three players suspended for what the Athletic called an incident in the locker room at South Carolina. First reported by Billy Lucci and Texags that some players were likely to be suspended at least three and maybe four for a violation of team rules. There are more details that seem to be readily available. Is it? Can can we say what the the rumored violation is, or does that get us into trouble? Sure. Like I can't allegedly, see allegedly, allegedly, the rumor is unconfirmed exactly. that they were participating in the smoking of marijuana in the locker room. Marijuana. Sorry, Gallo. To do that, Gallo gave me a really nice compliment via email yesterday. So I, I don't want to don't want to pick at him today. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. that is one of the rumors. Unconfirmed, unreported, really. But players are getting suspended because of a locker room incident. There are very few things that it actually can be. So, I, I have questions about this. Mike in Oxford, he he's hot on the ceasefire text line. Back to back messages: smoke them if you got them. Get lines out of the way before the show goes up in smoke. So, so here, none of us have been suspended indefinitely. So. Let's let's take Texas. Let's just go hypothetically. We're not talking specifically about Texas A&M right now. A hypothetical situation. 
in which players chose to engage in the partaking of... Hey, Deb. Marijuana. In the locker room. You can't just light up a joint, right? I mean... You think not. I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario where you are in a visiting locker room and somebody just pulls out a joint, pulls out a lighter, lights it up. It it puts off a very pugnacious odor. Yeah. and uh, A very I, recognizable odor. It's a formidable scent. Stings the nostrils. There's a guy that lives on my running path that is uh, in, in Madison, of all places. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our neighborhood, it's a... It's a uh, get this guy arrested. It, it's a starter home neighborhood. And he just hangs out shirtless on his front porch doing just that. <laughs> I mean, we run by, and okay. I can smell it. He waves, and he's happy as all get out. So, right, yeah, so you're right. You, you, will, you will have to forgive me, okay, for a lack of working knowledge here. But you can use, you, you can vape, right? I mean, and, and there's some people that are, are kind of talking about, does it produce an odor? No. Okay. Well, it, so, some of them do. I, I've got a friend who, who does it, and you have no idea. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's 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 kind of what I was. Uh, that, that's kind of what I was getting. At. I was like, so the, surely they weren't dumb enough to smoke a joint in the locker room. But then, how do you get caught? Sure. I mean, somebody saw it, right? And I mean, even, somebody, somebody even if yes, even if they're just vaping jewel cartridges or whatever peach flavored brand they choose, you you still see the smoke, and I would assume that that would be unacceptable in a post game locker. The only thing acceptable to smoke in a locker room after a game is a cigar after a really big win, right? That's the only thing you can get away with. Yeah. We, we saw plenty of that in Knoxville a couple of weeks ago. Hey, Dad, have we seen that in Starkville before by Mississippi State? Yeah. I know we've seen it from Ole Miss yeah. in Starkville just last year. Yeah. yeah I was doing sure. post-game interviews with players who were smoking cigars at the time. Dan Mullen yeah, had, had one in his Mullen mouth. Mullen had a yeah. cigar at the podium when he made the UT Chattanooga comment. Oh, Chattanooga. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. So, um, so they had to get ratted out by somebody, right? Or there was a coach right. or a trainer or someone who saw what was happening, called it into question, and they went from there. Or that's not the incident at all, and we're being misled. But the right. the, the word possible. also possible, but also possible. The the word that Billy used was indefinitely. Okay. And I feel like if it was something lesser than that, like maybe they fought or whatever, it would be they're going to miss this game. But when it's doing something that, while becoming less and less criminalized and legalized and stuff, that seems like a more appropriate punishment for the supposed crime. You know what I mean? You can reduce some things... Process of elimination when the phrase is indefinitely instead of just one or two games or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot to get to about uh, about Texas A and M 
And that's uh, Ole Miss's opponent on Saturday, so certainly it is topical. We will look at lines when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Arkansas at Auburn is a fascinating game on Saturday. I'd love to know... (sighs) Maybe we do know. I was going to say I'd love to know what version of Auburn you get on Saturday. Auburn played really hard the last time we saw them, right, in Oxford. They pr- played really hard the week before as well. I mean, they, they have not, to, up to this point, quit on their guy. They have not. And look, there was a lot of talk in the offseason. I mean, I, I, I've mentioned this before. I did the spring game on SEC Network for, for Auburn. And in talking with Brian Harson, they really had some players step up in the locker room who kind of stood up for him. And it appears as if that, leadership has stuck. It also appears as if what looked a little bit like, I, I think we talked about this on the show, I think we talked about the the kind of what looked like a bit of a dust-up on the sideline between Robbie Ashford and, and um, right. uh, Bigsby. Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby. Was actually not that at all. It was Robbie Ashford pleading with his guys to stick with him. Borky, I think you're the one that, that pointed that yeah, out. Yeah, the, the sideline reporter mentioned it because it looked bad. Yeah. I mean, when they showed it on TV, it looked bad. And then she was like, right. I was standing right behind him, and Ashford was saying, hey, stay with me, stay with me, we can win this game kind of stuff. So so you, you look at these two teams, Auburn coming off an open date, Arkansas coming off an open date. When we last saw Auburn, they were competitive but lost by a couple of scores to Ole Miss and Oxford. When we last saw Arkansas, they scored a bunch of points against a BYU team that is struggling. When we looked at this schedule for BYU at the beginning of the year, we're like, holy cow, they're playing everybody. It's a hard schedule. BYU has not been as physical as we thought they were going to be. It's almost like that game against Oregon, I think it was. Just really took a lot out. Was it Oregon they played? Soup, no, no, it wasn't Oregon. It was Baylor. Yeah. Their game against Baylor. Baylor. Different green and gold team. Super physical game that BYU won. And it's almost like that just kind of took something out of them. They've dealt with some injuries, and they can't stop anybody. Arkansas, conversely, struggling on the defensive side. But they got K.J. Jefferson back, and now he's had another week off to kind of get a little bit healthier he looked plenty good against BYU a couple of weeks ago. I think he had a stinger late in that ball game and came out. That's why he didn't play at the very end. Um, Sam Pittman said he could have gone back in the game, didn't need to go back in the game, and so they, they held him out at the very end of that game against BYU. But presumably a, a mostly healthy, at this point in the season, K.J. Jefferson. And that that can be an explosive 
offense when he is playing well and the leading rusher in the SEC, Rocket Sanders, is running the football. And Auburn clearly is a team that struggles to stop the run. We saw that in Oxford a couple of weeks ago. But Auburn struggles to stop teams as well. That's just, and, and you, you look at the number on this game and it's three and a half. And to me, that's why it's fascinating. Yeah, I don't think Arkansas is capable of blowing anybody out. Because they can't stop anybody? Because they can't stop anybody. Uh, I mean, you All mentioned right. it. If if they're healthy, Jefferson, that's as good as a one-two punch in the backfield as you can find in terms of two guys that can run the football, one being the quarterback, and Auburn's going to struggle with that because they do. But they give up points to everybody. Yep. And they're banged up there. They're playing guys that they weren't expecting to count on this season. It's It's been a disaster of injuries for Arkansas on defense. So... On the road, I don't expect them to to just go in there and blow Auburn out unless Auburn's finally quit on Harson. but there's no reason to think that they have. Has Brian Harson become at all a sympathetic figure? He might be the first millionaire I feel bad for. <laughs> okay. Uh, kind of. Kind of. I mean, at the end of the day, he's making a ton of money. And I felt bad for him during the uh, the offseason when when they were talking about he was maybe fooling around with a student or whatever. That, that That's not acceptable. But at the same time, I mean, when you take the Auburn job, kind of know what you're getting into, I feel. You, at least you should. Somebody should have told him. People are crazy. You're, you're signing up for a certain brand of crazy when you take that job. And if you win, yeah. that crazy is like galvanizing and it feels like you've got the entire world behind you. And if you don't, it feels like the entire world is coming at you with torches and pitchforks. Right. That's that's just kind of disappeared, hasn't it? And I, I guess it's hard for a lot of people to talk about that thing, but for, for some reason that always sticks in my mind is, well, you know, Harson's he's just a bad coach. and No, he's not. It feels like he was set up for failure, and and I don't know about you guys, but but if if our employer decided to dig into my personal life and make accusations about me and try to get and ruin my marriage, I don't know if I would be able to continue doing my job well after that in the same place. And so when when they're throwing these candidates out there for for coaches, I, I keep wondering, yes, it's the SEC. Yes, it's a place that you can win. Yeah, they got a lot of money. Yeah, it's a state that produces talent. They have a history of winning. But also, college football coaches aren't always the most buttoned-up people behind the scenes. And if I'm a college football coach that hasn't done everything perfectly, which is a lot of them, do I really want to go to a place that just tried to ruin a guy's life in order to avoid paying his buyout? Yeah. To your point about Brian Harson being a good coach, would would either of you care to take a guess how many games above 500 Brian Harson is in his career? It's not a ton. You are wrong. 10, 40, 50. He has a really? career coaching record of 85 and 35. He went 7 and 5 in one year at Arkansas State. 69 and 19. 50 games above 500. In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons at Boise State. 
I said I thought he was on everyone boys he started tracking down a little bit. They went twelve and two, nine and four, ten and three, eleven and three, ten and three, twelve and two, and then five and two in the COVID year. Well, there you go. And then nine and eleven through twenty games at Auburn. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If I were Rick George, the athletics director at Colorado, come back west, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And 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 we're gonna give you the time you need. We know it's a mess here. You've won in this part of the country. We want you to take the model that you had at Boise State and replicate that at Colorado. And it's one thing to say you're going to give somebody the time. They obviously didn't give Carl Durrell all that much time. They didn't. I mean, they were awful at Car- at, uh, at Colorado with Carl Durrell. Like incompetent, not just not mm-hmm. even just bad. Just yeah. And if I'm Brian Harson. I'm I'm thrilled to take that job, and I'm willing to take a pay cut to do it. Boulder seems like a sweet place to live. Yeah. Depending. Yeah, I mean, depending on, well, yes. (laughs) Geographically outstanding. Well, a lot of stuff to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Hiking and whatnot. And and look, Brian Harson is not one of those guys that's making seven and a half or eight million dollars a year. I mean, he's more like down in the like five million a year range, I think. Which Auburn's still going to have to pay that, much yeah. to go away. I mean, and, and if I'm Brian Harson, I'm saying to Colorado, yes, I will take the job. Please let me get fired here first. His contract was six years, thirty-one and a half million. So there you go. So basically, five million a year. Now Auburn had to pay Gus twenty-one million to go away. And, I mean, how dumb does that decision look in hindsight? I mean, I get that Auburn was like they were done and they were ready to move on. She didn't upgrade. If you move on, you gotta, you got to upgrade. Um, cocktail party in Jacksonville. Georgia is a 22-and-a-half point favorite. I don't think I'll turn it on. Biggest, biggest line. Uh, in the series history, I believe is what I read. Won't turn it on, Borky. I, I don't. I, I mean, is there anything besides, hey, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party that draws you into this? Well, I mean, that it's Georgia, Florida. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Just brains just don't. I'm, I'm always going to watch that game like that. I, I guess. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there are. I think there are more, or, or there is a more compelling game going on. All right, then. So, so, so your other options in that time slot involving top 25 teams are Oregon at Cal. No thanks. Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Eh, okay. Top 25 matchup there. Wake Forest at Louisville on the ACC Network. Illinois at Nebraska. Cincinnati at UCF. And, of course, SMU at Tulsa. Yeah, That's it. one you can, uh, you can lock in on that might be fun in the 230 window as well. There you go. Be sure you're... ESPN Plus subscription is up to date. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. So 
Sparky says he won't turn it on. Hey, Dad said, but it's the cocktail party. I will say that is one of the games that looks phenomenal on television every year. They split the stadium down the middle, half Georgia, half Florida, the contrast of the red and the blue. Visuals are good. It looks great. Game on the field won't look great. No, probably not. Do you guys feel like Georgia's has downshifted and is in the process of accelerating to the finish? Or do you think this Georgia team is maybe just not as good as they were a year ago? Um, I mean, they have tough games remaining. They do. You know, with with Tennessee, they got to go to Tennessee. I'm sorry, Tennessee at home, then at Mississippi State, and then at Kentucky. I mean, that's three. You know, Tennessee's one of the best teams in the country, and the other two teams are bowl teams. Can make it interesting. So we'll find out a lot in the next few weeks. But I don't think I don't think that they're they're cruising towards anything right now. They got they got they got work to do. We'll find out next week. We we will know next week because as of now, it looks like nobody's going to stop Tennessee's offense. Forget the other side of the ball for a second. It, it feels like nobody's going to stop them. If Georgia's able to slow them down some, makes you wonder. We're talking about lines with with Georgia favored by twenty two and a half. What would be your guess on the line for Georgia Tennessee today? Georgia two and a half, maybe three. Ooh, I think it's higher. I think it's seven, six, mm. seven. I mean, mm. that's tough. I think I would lay a field goal with Georgia in that game. I'm not a hundred percent sure I would lay a touchdown. I think Tennessee gets a lot of respect nationally for the way they've played this year. Yeah. And so, so both of these teams have big games this week. Rivalry game for Georgia. They are significantly better than Florida. Kind of a rivalry game for Tennessee with Kentucky. It's definitely think, a test. Yeah, I think less rivalry and more not a pushover. I think you're going to play a physical game with Kentucky. Tennessee is favored by 12.5 in that game against Kentucky. That's I mean they'll they'll that's probably about right. I mean they'll they'll win by two touchdowns, but it won't be an easy game if 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 those two things can can coincide. Could not fathom more opposite. I mean I guess you know if Army uh, was playing in this game maybe a little bit more opposite, but with <laughs> with with style uh, the the contrasting in styles in this game is uh, is fascinating. I mean Kentucky's just so slow. And so hmm. methodical, and Tennessee is boom. That Tennessee, boom, right? Boom. Yep. Okay. Yeah, under the lights in Knoxville, seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Central time kickoff. ESPN's got it in their prime time slot. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herb Street, Holly Rowe. I mean, it's it, it's getting the big game treatment from ESPN. I think it's a better game. Well, that's what happens when Georgia you is. when you. Well, that's what happens when you have a single digit number. Next to your name. Even your games against not great teams. I mean, look at Mississippi State in 2014. Their first game as number one was played at Kentucky against an unranked Kentucky team. But State had the one. So you get that game on CBS. Yeah. Um, 
Missouri's getting points at South Carolina, but they're not getting a bunch. South Carolina is a four-point favorite at home against Missouri. See, Borky, I might go with your logic on this one. I don't think I'm turning that one on. It, it would be hard to. be really hard to. I mean, it's I do the multiple TV setup, although this weekend not so much, you know, Halloween weekend and, and all that, so I won't just be sitting behind a TV screen all day like I usually am. But yeah, that that one's gonna be a tough watch. And yet, it's a really, really big game for South Carolina. South Carolina's five and two with a win against Missouri at home this week. They become bowl eligible for the second consecutive year under Shane Beamer. And when you look at the remaining schedule for South Carolina, it's Missouri this week to try and get to six. Vanderbilt on the road next week to try and get to seven. At Florida the following week. I don't think you're just chalking that one up for the Gators. I don't think you're chalking anything up for the Gators right now. No. South Carolina's got flaws. right? They clearly have flaws, but man, they play hard. And then the final two, if you're going to get to eight, you got to do it over the next three weeks, I think, because your final two are Tennessee and Clemson for South Carolina. Yeah. But you have a great chance to get to eight. A great chance. You do. You do. And so yeah, I mean, you're gonna be favored. You're favored this week. You'll be favored next week. I think you're favored against Florida if you're if you've got seven wins at that point. Maybe. Maybe so. And then the nightcap for SEC games is in College Station. SEC Network, 6.30, Saturday night, Ole Miss, coming off the loss to LSU, dropping from 7 to 15 in the polls, 3-1 and one in the league, against a Texas A&M team that seemingly has nothing working for it right now. Injuries galore, new suspensions, turmoil within the locker room, and that's not made up. That's coming from one of their own players who said yesterday in a press conference setting that the locker room was silent and fractured, but he thinks still has fight. Aggies are 3-4. and four. They're 1-3 and three in the SEC. And yet, Ole Miss is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And what gets me about that is, remember last week, or two weeks ago, as soon as Mark Stoops kind of made it evident that Will Levis was going to play, that line dropped from seven to four for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. It was an immediate reaction to it. But today we've had this all this news come out about players getting suspended. Yesterday we learned that two of their offensive linemen are out for the year, and it hasn't moved. What One of the guys that was suspended today is a backup offensive lineman. But it hasn't moved. It hasn't moved. It is it has stayed at two and a half with a total of fifty four and a half. Why do you think that is? Is it because they believe that Devin A. Shane is going to run crazy? Questions about Ole Miss's defense. It's still at home. Ole Miss themselves are, are banged up a little bit. Ole Miss not good against the spread this year either. No, they have I mean, not. Been. Betters don't like them. They're three and five against the spread, and they'd be two and six if Kiffin doesn't punch it in with seconds remaining against Vanderbilt. Yeah. I have Chris Berman's voice ringing in my head. You know what he used to always say about the Buffalo Bills? My, my thought is, is Nobody this one of those the games wagons. for Texas A&M? Nobody circles the wagon like the Texas Aggies. I don't know. The weed wagon. 
Mm. Mm. See what you did there. I mean, I feel like that. I feel like that team is past wagon circling. I feel like you know, the 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 travel party has been broken up, and they're they're just trying to survive at this point. Least so I don't we, know. At least I, we forget. By the way, this we've mentioned this multiple times since it happened. That the the Saban Jimbo feud that everybody was obsessed with started with a Kiffin Jimbo feud. That's what started it all. When Lane Kiffin, in passing, said something about Texas A&M's approaching the luxury tax, using an NBA reference, and Jimbo Fisher called one of his press conferences with the backing of his very uh, good and capable athletic director and called another SEC West head coach a clown. That was the beginning of, nobody questions our recruiting practices, they just want to be here, and they'll show you how bad they want to be there when half of them hit the transfer portal the day their game, their their last game ends. Uh, that's what started all of this. And we'll hear from Lane Kiffin later. He hadn't forgotten. No, he has not. You, you have pointed out a couple of times that this should happen. Ole Miss beats Texas A&M. You're Lane Kiffin. You keep a red clown nose in your pocket and pop it on your nose to go out for the half t- the uh, midfield handshake at the end, or the press conference to avoid getting punched in the face. But yeah, I'd have so much more respect for him if he did it with uh, at the the midfield handshake. Or somebody God, A and M fans would be A and M fans would be begging Kiffin to do this if they thought Jimbo would punch him in the face because that's cause to fire him. There's cause. Get him out of here. <laughs> But, man, I mean, that that's, uh, you know, when people talk about bulletin board material, I always kind of roll my eyes because if you're not giving maximum effort to play a conference game, that's a you problem. But there is a little bit of extra, I think, when Lane Kiffin takes his team to College Station to play Texas A&M. There, and, there's some extra there. And never mind that the game is so incredibly important for Ole Miss. Yeah. I know A&M is sitting there, like, just spinning their tires, mired in the muck right now, and they're 3-4 and four overall, and I'm sure there's an argument that you can make for this being a bigger game for Texas A&M because they need so desperately to stop the bleeding. You would have to make a really, really compelling argument to me to convince me that the game is bigger for Texas A&M. I think it's bigger for Ole Miss. Which is crazy when you say, okay, they're 7-1 and one on the year and 3-1 and one in the SEC, but given what's left... And given what happened with Ole Miss last week, it's hard to say just how big, state just how big this one is. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. Just a couple of weekends left of fall tournaments. Not too late, though, to register your team. You can find the full list of events at M-Trade Park. And they've also got the spring schedule up. And goodness gracious, is there a lot going on. Baseball, softball, soccer, tons of it all the way around at M-Trade Park. If you're going to play... 
play M Trade. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. What 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 is I just that saw a tweet from Well, I'm gonna tell you. I just saw a tweet from Brandon Marcello that we're a week away from the first college football playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. So that means those rankings will come out before the Georgia Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna see three of the top four SEC teams? Are Bama, Georgia, and Tennessee all gonna be in there with Ohio State? Bama will not be. You don't think Bama's in the top four? Mm-mm. Okay. Not with an undefeated Clemson hanging out there. I mean, no. Yeah. Do I think Alabama is better than Clemson? I do. But in the initial rankings, are they going to put a one-loss Alabama ahead of a undefeated Clemson? I don't know. I mean, I don't think the analytics like Clemson very much. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. Michigan's strength of schedule is not very good. I think mm-hmm. Michigan and Clemson would both be in front of Alabama. Okay. What? What? Where does TCU fall? If TCU wins in a tricky game on the road against West Virginia this weekend, where do they fall? Let me tell. Let me tell you who TCU has played. Colorado on the road, that does nothing for them. Tarleton, that does nothing for them. Ooh. At SMU, rivalry game. An absolute beatdown of then number 18 Oklahoma. A road win against then number 19 and undefeated Kansas. A home win against number 8 Oklahoma State. And a home win against number 17 Kansas State. How many teams have better resumes than that? Ohio State does not. I mean, you may think I'm crazy, but if they win at West Virginia this week, TCU deserves to be ranked in front of Alabama. Will they be? I I, I don't know the answer to that. That's a good TCU's case. TCU's resume right? is good. It is really good. And and it's if, good. if they it's lined good. up and played Alabama, I I think I know who would win. I'm, I'm fairly certain I know who would win, but at some point the games have to matter, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. There's a reason we play them. I think cannot... That's why I'm so excited for the 12-team playoff, because even though some at-larges will happen, I think goes away in a lot of the selection. It's taken from them, because there's automatic placement. TCU doesn't have to worry about anything other than winning the games in front of you, boom, you're done. That's it. You want to compare it to Alabama's resume? Yes. Utah State. At Texas, one-point win. ULM. Vanderbilt. Win at number 20, Arkansas. Four-point win at home against Texas A&M. A loss at number 6, Tennessee. And a win at home against number 24, Mississippi State. TCU's resume is better. Mississippi State is Alabama's best win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I might argue Arkansas is their best win. I mean, you you could. Especially since it was on the road. It was on the road. It was on the road. And they won, you know, they they had to bring their backup quarterback in, but. They won it by three touchdowns. In terms of. Yeah. Well, they beat Mississippi State by. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, 23-point win against Arkansas, 24-point win against Mississippi State.
I, whatever. I mean, pick whichever of those two you want to. TCU's is currently better. TCU's resume is better. Hey, what? What? So, what do you think the answer to that question is? And, and the question I was: hope it's is the I hope SEC that it's going three. to have three of the top four? I hope that that's the case, just because it'll be funny. Um, I think Michigan is probably ahead of of Clemson. So okay. I, my my guess is you have, I think you have Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan in some. My my guess is you have rematches. You have Georgia one, Ohio State two, Tennessee three, Michigan four. Are you going Clemson five? Oh, I bet Alabama's five and Clemson is six. See, it should be TCU five, Clemson six, Alabama seven. That's what it should be. Should be. Should be. Will it be? I doubt it. I don't know. We gotta look and see what the makeup of the committee is this year. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books with you on this Tuesday afternoon, late in the month of October, the twenty-fifth. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, four o'clock hour coming up next. Your number one for sports talk. Each year we anyone? Had the anyone? first year, anyone? first year on, that we had school on campus sports with talk, a established curriculum. And this year we ended with 36. And we have four different classrooms: um, a kindergarten through third grade, a fourth, fifth, and sixth grade classroom. Um, junior high, middle school, which is seventh and eighth, and then high school, ninth through twelfth. I have four the Gallo Show will be at the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson on Thursday for the annual and, um, Mississippi Economic so Council Hobnob. It's the biggest gathering for movers, shakers, and playmakers from across the what state. What are some the of the differences that you've seen as an educator between a public school and the school at Palmer Home for Children? The kids here, we don't have discipline problems. Um, they just want to be loved, uh, to cared for, you, can go to you know, and I have a relationship with every one of them. All 36 Richard Cross, have been to my house Michael Morkey, Brian Haydad, and so, um, you. Pearl it's River just, Resort it's Studios, a big, Pearl big River Resort, from the, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf you know, Club. From the two the main, 18 hole championship um, golf courses, the Oaks, to the Palmer and the education is it can be tailored you know for the child. So, if we get a child that's been living in the backseat of a car for four months and, and hasn't been in school, we test you can them with a psychometrist and we, we meet the child exactly where they are. So, I could easily have a child that was on a fourth grade reading level but did well in math, so I could move them up and put them in two different levels. You know, in a public school, you're just dictated about from the state department what you can do and what you can't do, and you know, what you can teach and how to teach and all that. So that, the main thing about our education here is it is tailored that, that to fit the child and we need the child important. where they are so when that, they come to that, us. That's on that specific um, station. I think it's just a dream that's, because that's not I get originating to do out of here what I've dreamed of doing, you know, like one-on-one attention. Okay. Relationships uh, with every yeah, kid. And when I was in the public school, you know, I had 152 all day. I know that's hard. To Once say. again, it's 100.9. I will. Uh, I'll, hold on a second. I'll go as far as a play with some buttons back here, and uh, I'll get it taken care of. Very rewarding. Well, maybe don't play with buttons, but maybe go talk to, to somebody who can actually you know exactly fix that. If there's anybody in the studio that can, I don't know if there's anybody else here to be honest with you. I know their background, and I can kind of understand. All right. 
Gallo here with a special invitation to join us weekday morning, 6 to 9. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis, all right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. I don't know. Oh, goodness. It's, that's not out of here. So should we just hang out for a second and allow the um, the interview to play? Oh. <laughs> there we go. Somebody Has the Palmer Home hacked us? Okay. I think we're better now. All good now. There we go. All is all well right, now. All right. I don't know what was happening. Thank you all. It's always encouraging when people immediately let you know something because it's a reminder that folks are actually listening. You're not, like, just talking into the ether. Borky, yeah. did you mess it up? Was it you? No, it's not me. I've got – I don't want to give too much detail, but, no, it is – whatever happened is not originating out of here. There we go. Think think it's all fixed all across the great state of Mississippi. Ooh. Sports talk. Tennessee Mississippi. just revealed uh, it's Haydad's fault. Tennessee just revealed they're going. We're blaming it on Haydad. Stop it officially. No chance. Write it down. No chance. Will. Will. No chance. I was going to say, where I was so rudely interrupted, Tennessee going all black uniforms this weekend. Huh. They look pretty sweet. Why? I don't know, man. That's I mean, what, I know that's, that's what, what we got to give right. people what they want. Yeah. So. Is there any Tennessee fan that wants that? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's there some. Yeah. It's better than the Smoky Grays. They look cool. Yeah, the Smoky Grays are not good. Who, who tweeted that? Hey, Dad, I want to see a picture of these. Well, it's a video. It's a, the, the Tennessee football account. Oh, okay. Vol underscore football. All right, I'll uh, I'll check that out in a moment. You can be part of the conversation yeah. on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do right here in Ceasefire country for more information. Visit them online at ceasefire.com slash business. Those weren't bad. Black helmets? Ooh. Yeah? Ooh. I like it. That's what I'm saying. All black. All black. I know Tennessee plays around with their... They went all orange last week against UT Martin. I kind of feel like that's one of those iconic uniforms that you don't have to change. Am I crazy? You don't have to, but you know, a, a little, little, little something every now and then. It, this one works for me. Here's one response to the uniform video reveal from Tennessee: Neyland at night, all black, Halloween weekend. Kentucky doesn't stand a chance. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Looking through their uh, their the responses to this, who I will assume are mostly Tennessee fans. They all love it. So, Somebody tweeted a picture of an Oklahoma State uniform and said, good old Rocky Top. <laughs> Oklahoma State, who goes black on black with the orange numbers and the black helmets? Okay. Yeah. Whatever you like. Whatever you like. And I guess that's no different, right, than when we talk about Ole Miss changing up uniforms or Mississippi State changing up uniforms. It's just Tennessee changing up uniforms. I just think Tennessee's brand is one of those that mm-hmm. you, you don't have to. I, I, I normally would agree, the, but they look good. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get. I get. Got no issue with it. So, do we hold on and really pick up on the Texas A and M thing later? Are you? Are you? Let's hold on. Let's hold we that need, for the five o'clock hour because yeah. there's a lot there. Hey, Dad, what were you going to say? Well, not only that, but you know. We don't have anybody on today from A and M, but we we need to. I'm sure we're going to get somebody this week because I mean this is this is beyond just this game at this point, All right? Everything is really circling the drain Nick in Saban? College Station. What you just dropped an eye? Oh, did I? You did. You're like <laughs> this is beyond just this game at this point, All right? I mean, it okay. is, and. <laughs> You know, so well, I talked about it. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but it feels like every day I just convince myself more that somebody's going to cut a ninety million dollar check and say we got to we got to move on. The actual number, and I'm not quibbling with your ninety million. It's eighty nine million five hundred thousand dollars if Texas A and M fires Jimbo Fisher. After the season, without cause, eighty nine million five hundred thousand. And I keep seeing saved them a half mil. Yeah, I keep seeing people say, "Oh, well, the oil people." That I mean, they've got nobody. Nobody wants to pay. No matter how much money they have, write a check for eighty six million dollars with no return. Not a single person, even billionaire oil tycoons, which. I don't know if you've looked at the oil industry lately. Things are weird, volatile. No, yeah, I mean but they're profitable also. They are. But these are the same people that they're going to to buy the players, by the way. Same people. It's not like there's a limitless pool of billions of dollars for Ross Bjork to just pick and choose what money he wants. These are smart business people. They're not writing an $86 million check just with no return. No promises of anything back just to get rid of Jimbo. It's not that simple. They may do it, but to, to act like $86 million is just nothing even to rich people, I think that's nuts. You, you've got billionaires yeah. that are scaling back on NIL, and that NIL, even A&M's roster, is not $86 million worth. If you believe the rumors, it's closer to thirty. The idea of a single I agree with person everything you stroking said. a check that big is insane. But think about it, it this way. Much, but think, think about it this but way. Ten guys. Well, that's what I was going to say. You're going to convince ten people to write a check for eight point nine million dollars each. That seems more doable. Does it? See, even he's convinced twenty people to write a check for five million dollars. I mean, now, granted, if you know, if it, if that's Haydad Oil there. And they're coming to me. I, I am, I'm happy to help. But we're somebody other than Ross Bjork's making that next hire. We're going to get rid of both of them. See, and it's not but, just but, Jimbo; but it's his staff. It's all this. Yeah, hold on a second, though. Like you know, I'm I'm fine with the Ross Bjork jokes, etc. Et Ross Bjork didn't hire Jimbo Fisher. Ross Bjork, no. hold, hold that thought. I, I know where you're going. Ross Bjork inherited. A 10-year, $75 million contract. And we played up the whole they're bidding against themselves thing 
last year during the offseason when they bumped him to 10 years and $95 million, pushed it all the way back? Do you think Ross just completely did that on his own? Or do you think there were no. A&M people that thought, Scott Woodward is coming to get him, and he's taking him to LSU. We are not losing our coach. Go get it done preemptively. You got to let that come to you. You got to let Scott Woodward make an offer, and then you can counter offer. You got to do that. You can't just go out on this limb because now look where you are. Maybe. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Big game coming up on Thursday night in Hattiesburg. They are doing something at Southern Miss. Do we love this, or is there an issue? We'll talk about that next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Real Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. I don't know what was happening on Gallo in the morning, but... The continuation of a back-and-forth when it has an eight-hour delay <laughs> and we get brought into an argument between Gallo and a listener? That's, that is something. It's a marijuana debate as well. I was going to say it. It had to do Hey Dad with... Marijuana. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I miss the guy that used to send us links to InfoWars every day, though. I finally told him, like, hey, this isn't Gallo's personal number. You're sending Alex Jones's articles to the, the sports show. Just wanted to let you know. But there was... A lot of, lot of InfoWars. A lot was, of Brett Bart. Yeah, there was like a hundred unanswered links to Alex Jones's website unreturned, and I finally let him know, like, hey, this is a futile exercise here. Did he stop? He stopped, to his credit, yeah. He did stop. He you did think stop. Breitbart guy hated? You know, no. <laughs> but it's got to do with his time reading. In fairness to him, that it's right-leaning. It I'm not a big New Republic guy either, you know. <laughs> I, I can't I mean, do it, man. I, I can't. I, if, if it's got... I, like, I try to stay informed as best I can. I try. But if it's uh, and any political spin of any way, when I am not looking for that, I immediately tune it out. Like, I was listening to an NBA podcast, and I know, joke, uh, yeah, joke, I, I know. But the first half hour or so was great basketball. Let me tell you about your first problem. And, and I was locked in. I was like, this is good stuff, good stuff. And then they started getting political about the upcoming midterms. And I thought, you guys are idiots. I'm never going to listen to you again, ever. Goodbye. Uh, See ya. I, I do think that at some point we should get Haydad to lay out his entire political philosophy. How he feels on all issues, what his positions are. I think that should be on the show one day. You think? Yeah. 
All right, well, we'll maybe during the off season we'll consider it. Mm. Speaking of the NBA, I sent Borky my fantasy basketball team and asked him to grade my draft. Wait, no did you send it to me? Last night? Oh my gosh, I don't, I, I, I don't know how I missed this. I was in bed. <laughs> Mine's better. Oh, come on. My, uh, my fantasy team, I drafted three Pelicans. I'm team... I only got one. I'm flock around and find out. Flock around and find out is my... <laughs> that's a great team name. So does that mean that oh, two of good. your players are currently on the injured list? No, all three. I have two Pelicans now. <laughs> all three of mine yeah. are out tonight. Luckily, it's just day-to-day I have stuff. two Pelicans now that I think about it. I got Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones. Both out tonight. Yeah. Well, this, our season doesn't start till Friday. Oh, good. They'll be back by then. Flock around and find yeah. out. I was so proud of that. That's a good you one. Guys forget that I've been the, the gravy train for. No, we just couldn't find a date to all get together for the for, to do the draft. So last night was the first. I was here in the studio until about ten o'clock, just because I didn't want to go home and yell. So I, 12th, looking... I had the last pick of the first round, and I got Carl Anthony Towns. I was really pleased with that. Mm, like it. I'm currently looking at a picture on supertalk.fm of a packed house in Hattiesburg. And it's what we want to see on Thursday night. Southern Miss hosting Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, in a Thursday night game on ESPN2. Trying to pick up their fifth win of the season to get within one of bowl eligibility by all measures, objective, subjective, and otherwise. This is a massive game for Southern Miss and for Will Hall in year number two. That stadium looks great under the lights, completely packed. Southern Miss, as a school, as an entity, as a university, has made a decision about what they are doing on campus on Thursday. I'm sure some of it is because of logistics. It's hard to host a football game and deal with parking and deal with class schedules and disruption and all of those things. And that's fine. Some, somebody has to make that decision based on all of those things. I just want to call it a football decision, though. Southern Miss is canceling classes on Thursday. They sent an email to students, faculty, and staff. University officials wrote that all in-person and online classes at both the Hattiesburg and Gulf Coast campuses are canceled on Thursday. Their rationale, with increased visitors, media, and parking demands throughout the day, maintaining normal class schedules and operations is not possible. But now enter Will Hall. Will Hall urging everyone to come out and support. He says it would be a huge help. It would be huge to help us win the game. And that's the number one deal, right? We all want to win. We all want to win. These kids are busting their butt. This staff is busting their butt. Man, I really, really, really wish we could band together and pack it out, talking about The Rock, on Thursday night. Is it going to be completely full? No, it's not. Would love for it to be. It's not going to be. It's fine. There is no excuse. If you are a student at Southern Miss, and I don't care if you are from Jackson or from Laurel or from Gulfport or Bangladesh, if you attend classes at the University of Southern Mississippi, there is no excuse not to be there 
on Thursday night for this game with Louisiana. And guess what? The rest of the crowd feeds off the student crowd. At every stadium in America, I don't care if you're in Hattiesburg or Starkville or Oxford, you're in Baton Rouge or Gainesville, you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, or Norman, Oklahoma, or anywhere else, the student crowd drives the energy in the stadium. Everybody wants a day off. Everybody loves a day off. You get a day off. You can tailgate, you can hang out, you can sleep late, you can study whatever it is you need to do. Just make sure you get to the game on Thursday night. Porky, we love fair or foul. Fair or foul. So, Southern Miss cancels classes on Thursday. Home football game on Thursday night. I know, Institute of Higher Learning first, Institution of Higher Learning, I get all that. Fair or foul? Cancel classes, football game Thursday night. Uh, it's totally fair, and and here's why. I've actually got an academic sort of reason b- behind this, right? So college is oh, supposed okay. to be prepping you for adult life. Mm-hmm. Even though, by the way, college, y- you don't have regular hours like you do in, in regular life. Like in high school, you, you went to school for about the same length that you have a job during the day, and then when you go to college... You only go to class for like three hours a day. That's not really setting you up for life. But either way, that's what college is supposed to be, right? Preparing you for adulthood. How many times have you, all of you listening out there, taken a day off to do something fun? How many times have you done that? A lot, right? I I take a day off just to take a day off. Yeah. Just to not come into work. And, And sometimes, depending on what your job is, you have to do a little bit of extra work either before or after to get caught up. And you're willing to do that because something fun was happening and you had to take a day off. Something fun is happening on that campus. Here's a good way to teach your 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to go take a day off to have something fun to do and then come back with a little extra work the next day. Higher learning. It's a mental health day. It's a mental health day. Something like that. But yeah, man, you, you got... You got a big game at home. It's a real opportunity for your team. You don't want to give your students any reason to not be there. Give them no reason at all. Pack the place out. They can make up that 50-minute lecture some other time. Teachers do that anyway already. Capacity 36,000 in Hattiesburg at M.M. Roberts Stadium. Over or under 29,500 actual bodies in the stadium on Thursday night. Tell me over, guys. I'll say over. I'm going to have some faith in the Golden Eagles here. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. 36,000 capacity. I don't think it's insane to think that you could be 32, 33,000, but everybody's got to show up for that. I love the message on the uh, ceasefire text line. Um, My first question is, is class canceled on Friday? <laughs> Might as well. That's what you really need. Hey, you don't need Thursday off. You need Friday off. Yeah. yeah. You need to, like, have a, after two no classes on Thursday, but Friday you're out. I, I was going to say, no classes after noon on Thursday and no classes before. Well, who's who are No classes on Friday. No classes Friday. Go home. Uh, David in Oxford says there are only 250 upper deck tickets remaining. 
Well, that's fantastic news. That's I, awesome. I had not seen that anywhere. If that's accurate, that's great. That's great news. Yeah, no, no doubt. Need that home field environment. Big game coming up for Southern Miss. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Take a quick timeout, then we'll get back to you. Question that comes in, and this is worth talking about. Have we gotten to the point where coaches' salaries might actually go in the opposite direction? We'll tackle that topic next. Started today. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. television we know that the cocktail party looks great that one almost always is played at 230 it's a game that cbs grabs every year what if i submit to you that the best looking game on television this weekend will actually happen in ann arbor michigan they don't play many games under the lights at michigan stadium that is very much a day game facility. They didn't actually get lights until 2011. Uh, Maybe a little-known story. The former athletic director at Michigan, Dave Brandon, negotiated a deal where ESPN paid for the lights in exchange for Michigan agreeing to play one night home game per season. That's how valuable that was to ESPN. So ESPN put the bill for about $2 million bucks for the lights in the stadium. There you go. Um, Michigan, Michigan State, under the lights in Ann Arbor. It's got to be one of those where they're going to give everybody in the stadium a, a maze, yellow pom-pom. Yeah. It'll look spectacular. It'll look great, and it'll feel great for about a quarter before Michigan starts running away from that. What? what it- Ooh, now. Michigan, Michigan State is one of those rivalry games where crazy things happen. Bad Michigan State teams yeah. win in that in that series. Just, 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 just be careful. What, what That's a, one of my favorite trophies too. I love the Paul Bunyan Trophy. What a case study though for what we were asked about before the break in coaches' contracts. The, 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 There's another it, one, yeah. It, but I understand. See, that's the thing. I, I understand why Michigan State did what they did. I, I do. I really do. They thought LSU was coming to get Mel Tucker. And think, but put it this way. Use a local example. Let, let's just put it out there. Ole Miss is favored this weekend. They win. They play Alabama really close, but they lose. They go to Arkansas, and they win because they can. And they win the Egg Bowl. Win 10 games again. And then Auburn finally hires an athletic director whenever that happens, and the rumors start flying. Lane Kiffin's on his short list. (laughs) If Keith Carter decided, you know what? We can't go over 10. Auburn wants to go over 10. I'm not going to do it. See ya. Thanks, Lane. Appreciate you. But you're going to go. The backlash that would come for Keith Carter if he did not fight with everything he had to keep Lane Kiffin in Oxford. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it's this far, but 
it, it would make people question his job. You feel like you've got so, to do it, but it wouldn't be the best economic decision for the school. If all, let's say that Auburn offered Lane Kiffin eleven million dollars a year, but he went to Keith and said, "Hey, if you give me eleven point five, I'll stay." You know what the answer that 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 all of the fans would say? Oh, you better give him eleven point five. You better. Which, by the way, would be a four and a half million dollar raise from what he's making yeah. this year. But that would be the the average Ole Miss fan would say, "You better." Even if it wouldn't be the most sound decision. So, and these guys get trapped. There are things that don't make a ton of sense sometimes in our home state of Mississippi. Coaching salaries are one area where state laws protect us from ourselves. Because the maximum length of contract for a state employee is four years. There are little workarounds you can do that, that kind of get you more into uh, guaranteed money that goes a little farther than that. But if you're an athletics director or a university president in the state of Mississippi, even if you want to, you can't sign a coach to a 10-year, $75 million contract or a 10-year, 90 or $95 million contract. You just can't legally do it. And it's a good thing. You think the state of Michigan I mean, wishes, Michigan State people wishes they had a law in where they weren't locked into $90 million yeah. with Mel Tucker? Do you think I mean, the state of Texas and Texas A&M folks wish they weren't locked in to $95 million? Basically, what you just said is the LSU job got three coaches about $250 million, $270 million worth of guaranteed money. $90 million for Mel Tucker. $95 million 95. for Jimbo. And then the guy who actually got the job, Brian Kelly, got what? Hundred million. Sixty seventy million? Well, it no. Didn't. Yeah. no, no, no. It's 100, a ten year hundred million? million dollar ten year ninety seven so, million dollars. So two hundred and eighty five million dollars because what, of one job. What was the job that got James Franklin his was it it was USC, it was USC. right? Yeah. Yeah, it was USC that got yeah. James Franklin a big bump. He's at least and, and kind of, of that, earning it. All of that other stuff going on is part of the reason. That Lane Kiffin got bumped to average salary of seven and a half million over the next four years. It's what the marketplace is doing. So, so here's the larger question: Are these crazy contracts that everybody's looking at and going, well, "What a mistake"? Andy Staples writes as the lead to to the story that he wrote at the Athletic earlier today or yesterday or whatever it was that he was greeted by an Athletics director a few years ago where the AD walked up to him and said, we've lost our minds. And that was in an era when you were paying $5 million a year for coaches. And the Bielema contract seemed crazy at Arkansas. Now it's double that. I remember. Double plus that. When Saban, I remember when Saban got $4 million at Alabama. And, you know, first year he was 6-6 six and six and everybody was laughing. 
Everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're paying, you know, however much. I can't do the math in my head. I'll win. All right, so so, so the larger question, right? As we inevitably head toward this off-season coaching cycle, are there ADs that go, no, no, we, we can't keep doing this? Or do they all become prisoners of the moment and we have to do this right now and put themselves in financially dubious positions that they know are not smart to do, but they feel like they have no choice otherwise? I don't think they're prisoners of the moment. They're prisoners of their boosters. And their boosters are fans and fanatics, and they they don't want to lose ground. And so they go to the athletic director like, hey, I'm the one paying the bills here. We're the ones paying the bills here. you got to do this. We can't, afford to, we can't afford to lose this guy. Now, I don't understand how Texas A&M's boosters saw what Jimbo Fisher has done at the, to this point, to that point, and said, yes, we can afford to do this. But they did, and now they're here. Yeah, it's going to have to take one AD with a lot of rapport. I, I mean, it, it, hiring coaches is not an exact science, right? I mean, remember the praise that the Joe Moorhead hire got at Mississippi State? People let, let me love... interrupt that thought, though, Borky. But, but I hear what you're saying. It's going to take one AD with the ability, who, who already has the rapport, either with fans or the president or whatever, to stand up and go, no, this is crazy, we're not doing this. But, but who is that? No, is know. it going to be Auburn? No. no. <laughs> with a brand-new athletics director who's going to do whatever Jimmy Rain tells him to do? Georgia's already locked into Jimbo. I'm sorry, to, to Kirby, and with good reason. Alabama, with good reason, is locked in. Clemson is locked in. The only school that I can think of in recent years that has gone backward, well, I can think of two of them. One of them has worked out, the other one hasn't, is Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Michigan went backward on their deal with Jim Harbaugh, and he actually agreed to do it. And then Nebraska went backward with Scott Frost, but Scott Frost had no leg to stand on. He was either going to be fired at that point, or he could agree to a lesser deal in term so that he could try to dig himself out of the hole, and it didn't work. Can you think of any other school that's gone backward? But somebody's got to. I mean, hiring, again, it's not an exact science, but take a... Let's use Ole Miss as an example. Okay. That that, pre, that previous scenario that I laid out. Okay. If if the money gets ridiculous, let's say Auburn offers him twelve or thirteen, whatever. If the if the, the money gets too much, okay. if it gets to that point, and Keith Carter decides we can't financially do this, there are good coaches out there that would take the Ole Miss job tomorrow. My favorite one in the world, Dave Clawson. You don't have to financially hamstring yourself forever because you have a good coach. Because there are other ones out there. So let's stick with the Ole Miss idea just for a second, and we'll carry this conversation into the break. Because here's the question. Let's say, Borky, in your scenario, you've got to go from $4 million to $11 or $11.5 million to retain Lane Kiffin if they win 10 games again this year. Where is that four, four and a half million dollars coming from? And before we go to Haydad's immediate response of, oh, somebody will write the check, we got to be a little more specific than that. We got to ask the question, where is that money coming from? We'll be back. 
Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. financial numbers are so common that I think collectively we we have lost sight of how much money a lot of money is. When you look and you see that Lionel Messi makes $189.5 million a year, that Steph Curry makes $135.2 million a year, that Federer made $132 million a year, that Tiger Woods is worth over a billion dollars, When you can go to Forbes or Bloomberg and go to the Billionaires Index, heck, my kids talk about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, not because we're talking about him at the house. you got fifth graders and seventh graders who are talking about the richest guy in the world. Is it Elon Musk or is it Jeff Bezos? Did they tell you about Mr. Beast? I saw that today. Wow. The billion-dollar YouTuber? Yeah. Now... In fairness, they don't know who Bernard Arnault is. (laughs) They probably don't know who Larry Page and Sergey Brin are. They probably don't know who Mukesh Ambani is. I don't know who any of those people are. I don't know who any of these people are, so your kids are not alone. (laughs) Okay, so Arnault is the guy that runs LVMH, which is the parent company for Louis Vuitton and a bunch of other brands. Larry Page, Sergey Brin are the founders of Google. Uh, Mukesh Ambani is a massive Indian businessman. Not like physically massive, although he's a large man, but I mean, like. Oh, he's gonna go there. He's big in India. He's big in Mumbai. He's fat? What's up? But they know who Elon Musk is. They know who Mark Zuckerberg is. They know who Jeff Bezos is. And then we see contracts where Jimbo's making a hundred million guaranteed, and Brian Kelly's making a hundred million guaranteed, and Mel Tucker, for goodness sake, has got ninety million guaranteed. And we've lost all grasp of how much a half a million dollar salary is. Think about it a five hundred thousand dollar salary. Assuming you're paying 40% in taxes, which is probably a little high, but whatever. That's taking home $300,000 a year. Divide that by 12. You're talking about $25,000 deposited into your checking account every month. That is a massive amount of money. But I think because of all the big numbers, we've completely lost sight of it. And so, Borky... I'll go back to the question that I asked before the break. When we say Keith Carter feels like he's in a spot where if Ole Miss were to go 10-2 and again and Lane Kiffin's name's out there and the coaching carousel's spinning like crazy and he feels like he's got to get him from 7, 7.5 million to 11, 11.5 million, where does that additional $4 million come from? And this is not the, oh, poor, pitiful Mississippi state of conversation. It's like legitimately, 
Where does an additional $4 million come from? When you think about what you're asking of your boosters right now, you're asking them to buy tickets. You're asking them to donate money that goes along with the seats. You're asking them to give to your foundation on top of that. They're now being asked to give to entities that support name, image, and likeness. You've got a facilities project that you've already put on hold, and now you need to come up with an additional $4 million a year on top of all of that to pay the difference in what you're paying your football coach right now versus what you need to pay him next year. Where does that money come from? Well, and not to mention, too, I mean, it's a smaller piece of the pie than TV, but despite what people around this area, SEC area, said about Ole Miss's attendance problems, that's everywhere. Fewer people are going to the bad games everywhere. Fewer people are going to the good games everywhere. So you, that while TV is increasing, you're not putting 65,000 people in your stadium seven times a year anymore. The bottom line is, and look, I don't think this is unique to Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Now, do other schools have bigger donor bases? Sure. Texas, Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama. We, we get it, right? We, we, we get all of that. They have more people. But for every school... I think, maybe Texas and Texas A&M notwithstanding, and Harvard notwithstanding, and Stanford. Stanford doesn't care about athletics. Clearly neither does Harvard. There's a cap for everybody at some level. Like, you can only go to the well so many times. Shane asked a question. Could they use the SEC TV money? Sure. Sure. But what else do you hamstring yourself on doing if you're already spending the money that you haven't gotten in your bank account yet that you're pretty sure is going to be there, you know is going to be there, but what if you got other goals for your department as well? What if you got other things that you need or want to spend money? David Tupelo says it's not an additional $4 million, it's $16 million because that's for four years. And guess what? If he keeps winning, the number is going to go up between now and the end of four years anyway. There's not an endless supply of money, and yet you have to, in the environment that we're living in, figure out a way to somehow keep paying them. It's hard. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi, I have a number or a set of numbers that are absolutely going to blow your mind, I think. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online, cspire.com slash business. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. 
You can visit them online at gentealapparel.com. That's gentealapparel.com. Be sure to check out the Collegiate Collection. Ole Miss gear, Mississippi State gear, Southern Miss gear, temperatures starting to fall. You can check out the outerwear. You can get logoed pullovers, lightweight, heavier weight, or I, I picked a couple up the other day. They've got vests. Michael Borky going to be happy. Get the quilted Can't vests. Wait. Get the uh, quilted coats. They've got some wool vests. Great-looking stuff. Gentealapparel.com. You can find it online, or you can visit Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's in Oxford, S.F. Allman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, or Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. We'll get to the college football fix in just a moment, but first, I want to read you a message that Chase and Columbus sent us, and I had to fact-check him. He says, this This goes to us, the conversation, hey, Dad, just from a minute ago about us collectively as a society not really, like, kind of losing grasp of how much a lot of money is. Right. If you made $5,000 a day, every single day, from the time Columbus sailed the ocean blue until today, in terms of cash only, you would still not be a billionaire. $193,511 days times $5,000 a day is akin to $967 million $555,000. Not akin to, it's equal to. Now, my heart would weep for you if you did not know of compound interest and in investing over the last 500 years. There would be poor financial management on your part, but in terms of the actual cash, $5,000 a day since Columbus was hanging out on the boat until today does not represent a billion dollars. So why is it that we're so warped? I think I know the answer. Do you know what? On paper, since the stock market closed yesterday to the stock market closing today, Elon Musk made $7.6 billion. Yesterday, he lost on paper $2 billion. Today, he made 7.6. The second wealthiest person on planet Earth. Well, I never mind. That's not, that's not right. Bernard Arnault made $5.5 billion today. So it's crazy. You just need some of those guys to be massive college football fans of your team. Two billion comes and goes, seven billion comes and goes. Here's four billion for your department. Do with it as you please. That would be useful. That would be useful to John Cohen. That would be useful to Jeremy McClain, to Keith Carter. Ross Bjork could blow through that in no time. Everybody else it would be useful to. 
Come on, nobody made, nobody laughed at the Ross Bjork spending money joke. Come on, you guys are losing your touch. All right, here we go. College football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. 45 years. You've heard me say that before. 45 years. Best-selling trucks in America. Ford F-Series. I'm hesitating because I feel like we need to jump into the Texas A&M conversation, but it's like I just want to talk about like actual football for a minute. Well, then, then we can start with the actual football. On and, this. and I was like, yes, and we please. have another hour. Yeah, um, we're good. So we alluded to it some yesterday. I tweeted about it on Saturday night, and I actually had some pushback. So let, let's start with that. Actually, I called this game for Ole Miss a must-win game. This Texas A&M game for Ole Miss is a must-win. I said that on Saturday, and a lot of people agreed and a lot of people didn't, which I guess makes it good fodder after all. A lot of people were saying that it's only year three, relax. Well, they pay Jimbo Fisher more, so your expectations are too high or whatever. Considering the turmoil, aside from the fact that this is not a good football team, there's talent on it, but they're a doinked field goal away from being two and five. But they're three and four, so credit to them. It's a bad football team. More injury news. Haynes King might play, but he's got a bad throwing shoulder. If Ole Miss is the program that Ole Miss fans say they are, this is a game that you win. Agree or disagree? I don't know that I would couch it in those terms. Like I hear what you're saying, and and, and so, so yes, I agree with you. I don't know I would couch it in the terms of if the program is what people say it is. I think it's just massive for where the program is. Period. And more more than that, it's massive for where this particular team is. Like, you've got to look at it in program terms, like big picture, year over year and all that. But if you set that aside just for a second, it's it's this team and this schedule. Because I, I can paint you two pictures, and I think you know exactly where I'm going with this. You win in College Station going into the open date, you're 8-1. and one. You get a week to get healthy. You feel like you got kind of a free shot against Alabama. Let's just say you lose that, you fall to eight and two, but you still feel pretty good about your chances against Arkansas and Texas A and M. Pretty good. Not saying those are slam dunks, but you feel you feel okay about that. You can see a path to ten and two, and who knows with a free shot against Alabama? I don't think it's a great matchup. I think LSU showed some things with their athleticism on the defensive side that kind of scare you about that matchup with Alabama. But whatever, just say that one's a loss, and there's there's still a path to ten and two. That said, you just lost at LSU. If you lose to a struggling Texas A&M team, now what do you feel like going into the open day? 
Terrible. You just dropped two in a row on the road. You got to think about it a week. And oh, guess what? When you step back on the field, you got Alabama coming to your place, and that's probably three in a row. Now you got to go to Fayetteville. And now you got to go to Fayetteville in, on November, what is it, 19th, where it might be 41 degrees and sleeting. And or 33 and sleeting. And they're going to run right at you? Yes, yes. See, this, if this game was Arkansas, if, if Ole Miss was playing Arkansas this week, you could forgive a loss. You could. Mm-hmm. But playing this A&M team in this much flux with this many players out, with everything going on, if Ole Miss loses this game, I'm making we believe jokes to you guys on, on Monday. I mean, that, that's where you're headed, in my opinion. So... Yeah, I I don't know about the program stuff. I, I see where Borky's coming from, but to to characterize this as must win, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Ole Miss has to win this football game on on Saturday, just to keep the momentum they've had for the last twenty games. And it's the worst team left on your schedule. Yeah, I say, do you guys get the picture that I'm painting? Like the two pictures that I'm painting? Like you, you go win this at A and M, and you can see a path to ten and two, and it's not a crazy road. You lose this one, right? And you see a path where you got to beat Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl to get to eight. It unravels yeah. after you started the season seven and zero, oh. right? So yes, fork in the road game, circle the wagons game. Do whatever you got to do to get guys on the field, knowing that you've got next week off. I mean, there's a scenario where you could say, look, there's an open date, and then it's Alabama after that. If you don't play the next two weeks, that's okay. We got to have you this Saturday. Sports Talk Mississippi, that's your college football fix. We'll be right back. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. Hey, hey, Mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Just a couple of days into the week. College football weekend, though, will be here before we know it. Week nine of the college football season. Week 10, if you want to count week zero, when Northwestern beat Nebraska in Dublin and Vanderbilt smoked Hawaii in the islands. Things that feel like they happened a long time ago. There were only a couple of weeks for teams traveling across oceans. Yes. Yes, indeed it was. All right. Texas A&M. We we started this conversation just a moment ago in terms of what the, the game itself means. What about the matchup? What have you seen over the last couple of weeks from Ole Miss... From Texas A&M, that gives you concern, or that gives you cause for optimism. Well, if you, if you look at Texas A&M, if you're Ole Miss, if you can't stop this offense, then 
you can't stop anybody. I mean, they are uncreative. Now, they have some decent bodies, but now they're, because of suspensions, apparently they're going to be without a starting wide receiver. They're now out multiple starting offensive linemen and a backup offensive lineman. Haynes King's shoulders messed up. If he does play, if he doesn't, it's a true freshman making his first start. A-Chain's a legit player, but his backup's probably not going to play. But he's a big-time player. But they are uncreative, unimaginative, or whatever adjective you want to use to describe something that is boring, dull, and predictable. That is all Texas A&M's offense. You should, you should have success defensively against this team. Despite your injuries, and they've piled up. But if you're going to stop anybody, this is the offense that you can stop. They are injured. They're playing inexperienced guys, and the guy calling the plays and running the scheme is dated and boring and predictable. A lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that. I think think the concerns, if you're an Ole Miss fan, are A&M's got talent up front defensively, although we got to find out who these players who are going to be suspended are. I haven't seen the names. But after what happened last week, you know, you – they're, they're going to obviously, the book is out on Dart sort of the same way it is on Rodgers when we've been talking about the past few weeks. Pressure. Pressure, 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 and go from there. It's, it's a different kind of situation from State versus Ole Miss, but they're going to go after Dart and put it in the hands of the Ole Miss running game. AM is not a great run defense either, so Ole Miss should have some advantages there. On the other side of the ball, I mean, you said it yesterday, Richard. A Shane should just be ready to carry the ball twenty five plus times. If if A and M can do that and hit some things in the play action, that they have they have a chance to win. If Ole Miss can bottle him up, no chance for A and M to win. Um, cornerback Chris Marsh. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, cornerback Denver Harris, wide receiver Chris Marshall, offensive lineman PJ Williams. Looking to see if they've already. Updated their depth chart. No, PJ Williams is still on the depth chart in the offensive line group. In the defensive back group, Denver Harris. He's still on there, not listed as a starter. And who is the other one? Chris Marshall, wide receiver. Also still listed. So their their game notes came out. Now none of those three are listed as starters. But look. Texas A&M's depth chart is kind of an interesting one. They list quarterbacks. They got five names on their quarterback depth chart. <laughs> Haynes King, Blake Bost, Max Johnson, Eli Stower, Stower, Stowers, and Connor Wegman. <laughs> or Wegman, if you remember from earlier in the year. Yeah, very little to yeah. re- read into that, I guess. And then the, the next question is, because I had somebody ask me this the other day, it's a good question. Uh, how much advantage does A&M have knowing that Durkin coached against Lane Kiffin's offense every day, and my response was, number one, good question, but for every advantage, I think, for every advantage Durkin would have scheming against Kiffin, Kiffin would also have the same number of advantages scheming against Durkin. They both are very familiar with each other. Yeah. That's one of those things people, fans like to make that out as a much bigger deal than it actually is, I think. I mean, unless you don't change your your signs, your yeah. signals. Yeah. If you don't change your signals, that's on you. 
So it was a problem for Jolie Dunn, but everybody else. And then the next layer is they're playing on the road again. It was it was allegedly a problem for Ole Miss at Alabama a few years ago as well. <laughs> uh, that's right. There was that. That, guy, that guy's back in the fold, though. So. Um, but that, that's the next layer, right? Is, is, no, I think he's out again. Not in coaching. Doing, oh. like, consulting, recruiting consulting workers. Yeah, yeah, but not in He's not doing in the podcasts, too. Yeah. But anyway. either way. So, uh, Lane Kiffin alluded to it in his press conference. It felt like the, the the team in the second half when things started going poorly, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, forgive me, Lane, if I'm putting words in your mouth, but that the they let the environment kind of get to them. They unraveled a, a little bit when the game stopped going their way. It's a tough place to play, even if it wasn't 100% full. There's still a lot of people there, and when things started going against Ole Miss, it got, at least through the television, pretty nuts. Now that Jackson Dart has played in an environment like that, now that Ole Miss has played in an environment like that, they're walking into another big crowd, won't be as big, probably going to be a lot of empty seats there. But as you said this morning, not anywhere close to being as intimidating or raucous. So what does, does that lessen the impact of being on a road environment, not only because they just played in one, and also because this might not be a very inspired one? Yeah, so so it's kind of in vogue to take shots at A and M, right? So so this is not actually taking a shot. This is just my experience. I was on the field for the largest crowd in the history of college football in the state of Mississ- uh, in the state of Texas when Ole Miss and Texas A and M played in 2014. There were a hundred twelve thousand people at that game. Stadium doesn't hold that anymore. It was at the halfway point of their construction where they had torn down one side of the stadium and rebuilt it, and they hadn't started the other, and so the the overall capacity of the stadium was inflated. Night game, Ole Miss coming in, off the win against Alabama, packed house. It was loud. But that's just it was just loud. It wasn't using this word loosely. It wasn't violent. It wasn't intimidating. It was just big and loud. But it wasn't the same kind of loud that Tuscaloosa is when they're rolling. It wasn't anywhere close to the same kind of loud as Baton Rouge was even in the daytime this past Saturday. It was nowhere close to as loud as the Swamp was in 2015 at night when Ole Miss rolled in as a top-10 team. It wasn't even as loud as I've heard Jordan Hare, which fills out at 87,000. Again, that's not a shot at Texas A&M. I've always said this. Everything about A&M is nice. Their stadium is nice. All of their facilities are nice. Their fans are nice. They have, without question, the nicest visiting locker room in the SEC by an exponent of like 12. It's massive. It's clean. It's modern. They got big training facilities and big bathroom facilities. LSU's visiting locker room is awful. Ole Miss's visiting locker room is awful. Again, that's how it should be. Alabama is just functional. It's just fine. It's just a big open room with a bunch of lockers in it. 
Mississippi State's is a lot nicer than it used to be because they just used the old Mississippi State locker room when they got a new locker room. The old locker yeah. room under the east side in Starkville was awful. Chopped up, you couldn't get through there, everybody spread out, you couldn't have like a team meeting. It was bad. I mean... Everything about a and nice. Yeah, Leach talked about that when he was hired. said it was a work of art. How bad that visiting locker room was. Yes! And you're just hanging your pads on a nail. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, that's the point. It's like, right? I mean, everything about a and is nice. It's not, it's not intense. It's not ferocious. It's not scary. It's not violent. That was my complaint when Kevin Sumlin was there about Texas A&M. They didn't have a killer instinct bone in their bodies. They're good at times. And when you think about the dudes that they've had on the defensive side, Miles Garrett, who's the last nasty player A&M had on defense? I'm not talking about wildly talented. I'm t- it was it that win? That was a dude on defense for them. But good grief, that was when R.C. Slocum was coaching. We'll be back. Let's hear from Lane Kiffin coming up after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Yesterday, Lane Kiffin met with the media. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi, whether live or recorded, appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. As he always done, Lane starts out by talking about the previous game. And then he gets into looking ahead to this matchup with Texas A&M. If you listen closely, you might notice some subtle and not-so-subtle digs and even a few jabs that are in there. Here's Lane Kiffin from yesterday. All right, so, you know, this is really, I guess, in a year, our first time of, you know, having a Monday after a loss, you know, coming back to meet with the players and practice and stuff. So it's a new challenge. You know, for our guys, and the biggest key is that, you know, one loss, you don't allow it to move into more losses. So, you know, I look at the game and, you know, the final score, and you guys know I don't give coach speak, and I told them today. You know, if you just look at the final score, you'd think, okay, well, they weren't ready to play. You know, they came in and got dominated, and that wasn't the case. You know, they they started really well, didn't let the crowd affect them, and got up 17-3, and even after a lot of stuff, four minutes left in the third quarter going into score, you know, to take the lead and really played really poorly for the next 19 minutes after, you know, the interception um, on all three phases, but especially offense and defense. So, you know, we can't let that beat us again. We've got to learn from it. We've got to improve in certain areas. Um, we had too many penalties, um, some poor decisions on ones, you know, and you got to understand stadiums you play in, crews that you have, you know, and, you know, there's certain crews that officiate games. I'm not complaining. We just have to understand what it is. So, you know, like Alabama the week before was 17 penalties. And so um, we've got to do a better job with that, understanding um, all the things that go with that, and <clears throat> definitely finish games better um, than we did. So, 
you know, huge no time to sit around and mope with it. You know, we're getting ready to go um, play probably one of the top five rosters in America. Um, I think eight five-star players a year ago, most ever. So these guys are ultra talented and we're going to play one of the top five hardest places to play. So that's a combination, obviously, that makes you have to do a lot of things right in order to have a chance to win. So we got a lot of work to do this week um, and got to get better. After you talked to your team this morning, I mean, how did you think they responded at practice? What did you see? Well, it was just a walkthrough, but I think, I think they were good. Um, again, just pointing out, okay, here's the things early. We did really well in the game, and then here's where we fell apart. And, you know, just like when we play a really good 19 minutes, we can't let that define us and say, oh, we're great now. Just like when we play really bad 19 minutes, we can't let that, you know, make us lose our confidence that, and we're no good all of a sudden. So, um, you know, like I said, we got to do better in a lot of areas. Penalties, red zone, um, I think two of five, two, two, only two touchdowns down there five times. You know, that was, you know, we did not run the ball like we would like to, you know, and overplayed Q, you know, because, you know, Zach wasn't available and, um, you know, Bentley really was questionable and limited. So I think he played 71 plays or something like that. So uh, that's not ideal. And hopefully we'll get healthy to help that. And just got to do a better job in a lot of areas. Offensive line obviously struggled down there Saturday. Do you ever think maybe that uh, perhaps some of the rotation within that group creates a little bit of consternation at times in terms of what they're doing? No. We only rotated one guy, so um, I certainly don't think that has anything to do with it. And you guys responded really well last season after losses. I think it was three in a row after the first one, four in a row after the second one. Is there something kind of to be said about resetting and recalibrating after a loss? Uh, yeah, I think when I've said it, when you play, you know, really talented players in programs, you know, they will expose certain areas. And that's why, you know, when you play one of them super early or open with them, you know, you learn more about issues that you have. And sometimes they can be hidden until you go play, you know, one of, like I said last week, one, like a program like the next three, you know, and I mean, they make recruiting rankings for a reason, you know, and obviously those have a lot to do with winning and, and draft picks. And so when you play really good players, you know, you've got to do things really well or you can't get away with some things you can versus some of the personnel we played early in the year. Told us Saturday you had a high level of concern with the defense after their performance, and you kind of sensed it after the way they struggled against Auburn. After watching two weeks of tape, what are you kind of seeing defensively? Is it a personnel schematic? I mean, what do you feel like needs to kind of be adjusted there? Well, we've got to tackle better. Um, you know, certainly hasn't helped Cedric not being available at all two weeks ago and being very limited, and he tried to play but wasn't himself. Um, and then when Troy you know, in both games, you know, having to come out to due to injuries, those are, you know, two really significant players. So, but we've got to tackle better and limit explosive plays, um, which is what we had done really well early, early in the year. And, you know, we showed them some film today just to make sure, like, hey, here's, 
here's some from two weeks ago, you know, and how well in three weeks ago, Kentucky game, and, and how well that we played and the energy that we played with and gang tackling. So it's not like we got to come up with it out of nowhere. We've done it. You brought up the talent level at A&M. Just I'm curious, what are the growing pains like over there where in your experience when you have a very freshman heavy team, what are the growing pains of getting those guys acclimated? And does it compare at all to a portal heavy team with the two kind of different recruiting strategies? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that. I don't know if anybody does because no one's, you know, had a class like like that he was able to sign. So um, you'd have to ask him that. But a lot of those guys play and play very significant snaps and are elite players. So, um, you know, you'd have to ask him that. A&M's had a pretty inconsistent season so far. What do you kind of see from their program from where it's at right now, and what mentality do you think they're going to have going into this game on Saturday? Well, I think they'll be very excited to play, and they're coming home after being on the road for a long time. Um, and their crowd's always, you know, one of the hardest places to play in the country. So um, I'm sure they'll come and, you know, be ready to get back on the winning track. And like Jimbo said, they were close in the game. It's not like they got blown out and and did some really good things to come back to make it a game in the end. And, and at times, they've played great defense throughout the year. Um, so it's, it's going to be a, a big challenge. And then as a fellow Taylor Swift fan, I have to ask, what do you think of her album, and do you have a favorite song off of it so far? Well, I kind of feel like I shouldn't go into you know which favorite song because that'll start all the social media of why I picked that because there is kind of a reason behind it so I'll give it to you after a win not a loss because then you guys write good things about it when I say it. Hey Lane you, you referenced earlier that this is kind of new for this team playing after a loss and whatnot after you had pointed out to us things where y'all needed to improve and whatnot but you kept winning was there a little complacency among your guys? Um, I don't know. I don't want to magnify things just because you lose a game, just like I don't magnify that we're great because we win a game. Um, you know, so, <clears throat> but there, I said it like you referred to, I, you know, there were signs of these coming, whether it was, you know, once we had to drop back some protection things and, and the tackling on defense and um, limiting uh, easy completions and turning into explosive plays. So, those were magnified, and that's what happened. When you go play really good players in a really hard environment, your weaknesses get magnified. So um, we're going to have the same same thing this week if we don't fix it. Did you think your your guys kind of lacked a hard edge after LSU came back, those 19 minutes you were talking about? I think that's fair. Um, I think that's definitely a fair thing. Again, I don't give coach speak and – say no like everyone else does um, I don't like how we responded after the you know interception um, you know which is why crowd noise is important and a factor just like we say we want to hear which we have the last couple games you know the left tackles turn into talk to the tight end and the ball snapped and his back runs through and hits Jackson so he can't throw the fade to Malik and they get a interception and then I do not like how we responded on offense or defense after that especially late in the game, you know, when we weren't going to win. But, um, you know, you just don't – you never like that. That's obviously what we like to do is run the ball at the end and finish the game out. And um, it, they did a great job of it. 
You know, when you look at this Texas A&M team, they've only been gashed by an opponent's offense one time. And that was Mississippi State. They gave up 42 points in the game against Mississippi State. The rest of the season, A&M shut out against Sam Houston State. They gave up 17 and a loss to Appalachian State. They gave up 9 to Miami. Turned out not to be a great Miami team. Gave up 21 to Arkansas. 42 to Mississippi State. That was the outlier. 24 to Alabama. And 30 to South Carolina. But, man, a lot of that was self-inflicted. Well, don't forget, State scored a special teams and a defensive touchdown. They did. They did. But even if you take those two off the board, they had some success. Long drives, with the exception of one big play. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. One last time with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort Studios. T-Spire text line is always open to you at 601-879-4395. He says, you you have Kiffin and Leach press conferences, then you have Will Hall's enthusiasm. Yes, his delivery is a little bit different than those other two. Yeah. Quite different. We heard from Lane Kiffin a second ago. Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Said if you listen closely, there were some uh, some subtle or maybe not so subtle jabs. What do you say? We play a uh, one of the top five most talented rosters. Not a top five team, not a top five coach, but a lot of talent on that roster. Hey, they didn't get blown out. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't lie. I mean, whew, boy, but it's subtle with him. You got to really listen to to feel it. But the the little things like you know they didn't get blown out. He, he knows what exactly what he's saying there. But anyway, I, I wouldn't know. Never signed a class like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nor is anybody else ever. I hate him because he won't let me hate him. That's that's where I am with Kiffin. I want to hate him so bad. Just that's don't. consistent with you, though, right? This is not new. Yeah. I mean, he just, because he, he he does some things I feel like I would do if I was a college football head. I, I would troll. <laughs> I would take the little veiled shots. You know, things like that. I would try to be funny on social media, you know? So, props for the yeah. uh, the Taylor Swift question. Yeah, yeah. you think he actually That's my had friend, an opinion? Uh, Grace. Oh, he definitely had an opinion. Oh, oh, he definitely has an opinion. He's a big fan. Yeah. Hmm. You guys have an opinion. I, I fully believe that she will follow up with him uh, after, after a win. win and and get the answer. You guys checked out Taylor Swift's. New album, Midnight's? No. I have not. 
My daughters were into Taylor Swift back when she was like more happy-go-lucky. Now that she's sort of dark, uh, they've they've gotten away from that. She actually darker is she fake dark because she thinks that's what sells. You're probably close to the truth there. I couldn't be dark with the amount of money that she has acquired. Yeah. So there's probably some pandering to it. I think I saw the Spotify Midnight's swiftly broke the Spotify record for the most streamed album in a single day over the course of 24 hours. What was the number? I thought it was 185 million, but that seems crazy. You'd you'd be surprised. It's possible. Possible. And we're talking a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, a couple of years ago, a lot of Taylor Swift fans were really upset because Tool was going to be ahead of Taylor Swift on the download ratings. And a bunch of 40-year-old dads were out there like, yeah, Tool! <laughs> For some reason, I was reminded of a, a Daniel Tosh uh, 88 million streams 88 in the million. U.S. Was it because you looked at Kiffin? million worldwide. You looked at Kiffin and you were like, hey, you remember that Daniel Tosh thing? No, it's uh, about her going dark. He's Money doesn't buy happiness? Really? You ever seen anybody frown on a wave runner? That's my all-time favorite Andy Kennedy quote, and there were a bunch of them. Money may not buy happiness, but broke don't buy bleep. (laughs) True. That was Andy Kennedy. Nobody's unhappy on a jet ski. Yeah. Yeah, money doesn't buy happiness. I'd like to to try. Mm -hmm. It'll rent it. (laughs) The previous record It'll sure rent it. Daily streams of an album belong to Bad Bunny. Yeah, WWE superstar. million global streams for his album Un Verano Sinti. I have contributed to neither one of these records. Yeah. I listened to a few of the songs this morning. Like, I wanted to like them. Like, old school Taylor Swift. Was she like 25 or something? I don't know how old Taylor Swift is. Old school Taylor Swift. Like, like you was 15. Yeah, previous iterations of Taylor Swift were fun. Back when she was still a country star. There's like a little deal where she talks about it. She's like, you know, the primary driver to start this album was self-loathing. What? Whatever. What is wrong with you? She's printing money, so... Uh, yeah, she is! Boy, if you clip this tomorrow, Borky, we're going to get some angry girls. <laughs> they're going to be in the mentions. Uh, again, I wanted to like it. I just thought it was bad. It all sounds the same. It's all that kind of whiny. Contrast her voice with Lady Gaga. Sounds like you after an Ole Miss uh, loss. One of them can actually sing. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us. Enjoy your Tuesday night. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.